Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Steve Asawa continues the series of messages on the miracles of Jesus. Today, looking at blindness. And now, here's Steve. Thank you, Vicki, David, Bruce, for wonderful opening for just drawing our our thoughts and our minds to the Lord, the one who indeed is everything, the one who really should be all of our days. This morning, we're going to look at the topic of blindness. We're going to look at some of the implications of being blind in those days, some of which we can easily see, I'm sure. We'll look at the miraculous healings that Jesus performed on some individuals. We're going to look at the broader messages around blindness and what it means for us. In Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, we read the account of Jesus in the synagogue. And this was early on in his ministry. You may recall that David Hooked referred to this last week. And he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went down to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. If you get nothing else from my message this morning, Remember that Jesus came as the light of the world to open our eyes so that we could see who he is, be healed, and accept his gift of eternal life. Let's just open up with a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for your son and his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. Thank you for your word and thank you for your spirit. I just pray that you would guide me as I speak this morning. Father, as the songwriters noted, that you would open our eyes that you would just open our eyes and illumine us through your spirit divine and ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I would hazard a guess that most of us can imagine at a superficial level what it would be like to be blind. A few can have a very good idea of the implications of that, I know. It seems kind of fitting that uh, I'm up here this morning talking about this subject, uh, given my poor eyesight. And as you see, I'm trying to figure out which glasses are going to work better as I try and read my notes. 
I don't even have to take my glasses off to, to know how much I rely on them. Sometimes, if I'm outside or come in, they just fog up. Sometimes it's just too dirty to see through, and as you can see, sometimes if I'm reading, I need to switch to a different pair. The inconveniences that I experience, though, are absolutely nothing compared to what somebody would go through, those life-changing implications of not being able to see at all. In Jesus' time, people generally felt that blindness was a result of somebody's sin. God created people, and he was able to control what happened in their lives. And blindness was one of those things. There were curses for disobedience, or curses for disobedience that were laid out could result in blindness, among other things. In Deuteronomy 28, we read that the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of mind, and you shall grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways. Being blind disqualified a person from being in the priesthood. In Leviticus 21, we read that no man of the offspring of Aaron, the priest, who has a blemish, shall come near to offer the Lord's food offerings. Since he has a blemish, he shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and the holy things, but he shall not go through the veil or approach the altar. And just as blind people disqualified from the priesthood, sacrifices had to be without blemish. So you couldn't sacrifice a blind animal. People were commanded against taking advantage of the blind. For example, in Leviticus 19.14, You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the Lord your God. I am the Lord. And Deuteronomy 27, 18 says, Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. And all the people shall say, Amen. Although people weren't to mistreat the blind, there really wasn't much that blind people could do to earn a living. Blind people usually ended up begging on the streets in order to get enough money to survive. The Bible describes five times that Jesus encountered blind people. We have two blind men's sight restored, and you can see that in Matthew 9. We have the blind man at Bethsaida, found in Mark 8. The man born blind, chapter John chapter 9. We have a short account of a blind mute man who was healed. That's in Matthew 12. And then there's three accounts that are essentially the same account. Another two two blind men's sight restored. And one of them says, the man's name, one man's name was Bartimaeus. And that's found in Matthew 20, Mark 10, and Luke 18. So let's take a, a quick look at these encounters. And the first is found in Matthew 9. As Jesus was passing on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind man came to him. Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it, 
But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. So these two people cried out to the son of David and cried for mercy. And referring to Jesus as the son of David linked him to the Messiah because the Messiah was going to come from the lineage of David. Jesus touched their eyes and he noted that their faith would result in their eyes being opened. And I would suggest that it was their faith in the one who they were crying out for. Their faith in Jesus and the faith that he had the power to open their eyes. Now the healing in this case took place in the house, away from the crowds. This provided Jesus the opportunity to have some private time with them and relate specifically to the blind man. And interestingly, Jesus certainly warns them not to go and tell other people about this. It was still early in his ministry, and it's likely that he may have wanted to avoid having people flock to him just for healing, when his real purpose wasn't physical healing, it was a spiritual healing. The physical healing, however, proved that he was who he claimed to be. The son of David, the son of God. Elsewhere in John 7, Jesus' brothers told him to go and show people his works. Unfortunately, they didn't believe him at the time. Jesus noted that his time wasn't right yet. It just wasn't the right time. And I think that's one of the reasons he was telling these people, don't go and tell anybody yet what you're doing, what happened to you. The second account we see is when Jesus heals the blind man at Bethsaida. And this is found in Mark 8, 22 to 26. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Notice that Jesus leads the blind man out of the village. While many of his miracles were done in public, there were a few times that he found a more private setting. In addition to that chance for Jesus to have some private time with this individual, it may also have been chances for him to escape the, the ongoing distraction of having unbelievers constantly challenging him. Earlier in Mark 6, Jesus was in his hometown, and the people questioned who he is and were offended by him. And Jesus said to them, to them A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And Jesus made a similar comment after he read from the scroll of Isaiah that we just read from earlier in, Mark, sorry, in Luke 4. Now in the previous encounter, we're told that Jesus touched the man's eyes. In this case, we read that he spit on his eyes, then laid his hands on the man's eyes when the first attempt didn't completely clear up the blindness. Now, I'm not sure if he actually spit on the man's eyes. The way it seems kind of rude. 
If you've ever had somebody spit on you, you know how that feels. Perhaps Jesus spit on his hands and touched the man's eyes or spit on the ground and made some mud. I'm not sure. But he may very well have done it. just seems a little strange, I guess. I'm sure most of us can remember having someone, maybe your mother, kind of, you know, lick her hands and wipe something off your face or lick a Kleenex and wipe it off your face and you... Ooh. But although spit was usually considered to be unclean, it was sometimes used in healing. And this man may not have been from Bethsaida, hence the instruction for him not to enter the village when he went home. Again, Jesus may be trying to avoid extra attention at this time in his ministry. Then we have the account of another two blind men's sight restored. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell of a time Jesus healed two blind men just outside of Jericho. Matthew notes that there are two men, while Mark and Luke focus on one of them, and Mark notes the man's name was Bartimaeus. So let's read the account from Mark chapter 10. And they came to Jericho. And as he is leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and went on his way. Sorry, and followed him on the way. So for those who had to beg for money to survive, being on a busy street, on a busy roadside like the one near Jericho was a good place to be. As we saw in an earlier encounter, I think Bartimaeus realizes that Jesus is the Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, many people think that, you know, this blind beggar isn't even worth Jesus' time. You know, he's got more important things to do than to associate with a blind beggar. Leave him alone. And they tell him to be silent. He isn't deterred, though. He realizes who's going by and his need And he cries out all the more. And the people then turn from rebuking him to encouraging him. Hey, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Jesus knows what the request is going to be. Yet he asks, what do you want me to do for you? He could have just healed him. But it's almost as if he wanted Bartimaeus to say the words. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. In Luke's account, he calls Jesus Lord. Matthew notes that in pity, Jesus touched their eyes 
and they recovered their sight. Mark and Luke note that Jesus said, Your faith has made you well. Jesus is saying, in essence, that your faith has saved you. The healed men then turn and follow Jesus. Luke notes that he glorified God, and when the people saw it, they gave praise to God. So here the healing seems to be done in public, whereas the previous ones were done in a more private setting. And we see a difference in the actions after the healing. Let's take a a quick look at the man born blind in John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it was day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. There's a dispute among the people as to whether or not this was the same man. He told them how Jesus healed them, but it wasn't good enough for them. It must be some kind of a trick. They brought, the, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? So he do such signs. And there was a division among them. So again they said to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews called the man's parents who confirmed that he had been born blind, but they wouldn't say how he was healed of the blindness. Word was out that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. So the parents told the people to ask their son how he was healed. The threat of being put out of the synagogue was too much for them. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Hmm. He answered, Whether he is a sinner or not, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become, also become his disciples? And as awkward, as pathetic as this scene seems in some ways, you know, it's almost comical. The poor man's getting grilled about Jesus and who he is, and he turns the tables on the religious leaders. When they keep at him, he responds, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 
Never since the world began has been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and worship him. The man was healed, both physically and spiritually. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not Sorry, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard him say these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say we see, your guilt remains. Sight was a metaphor for understanding. The religious leaders could see with their eyes, but did not understand who Jesus really was. Jesus criticized them for being blind, for their tunnel vision that prevented them from seeing what God really wanted of them. He called them blind guides and blind fools. Let's go back to the encounter in Mark 8 for a minute. The disciples were still trying to understand who Jesus really is. In between the miracles in Mark 8 and Mark 10, Jesus tells his disciples about his impending death and resurrection three times. And he also gives them an appreciation of what it will mean to be a disciple. So you have that teaching sandwiched in between those two accounts. The healing of the blind man at Bethsaida is the only one done in two stages. Things aren't clear the first time. The people look like trees. Maybe a compliment if you really like trees, but not quite the healing that he was hoping for. It's been suggested that this two-stage healing was analogous to Jesus having to explain to the disciples again and clarify things for them because they didn't fully understand it the first time or the second or the third for that matter. They only truly understood when they were able to look back in hindsight. Jesus was opening their eyes to the reality of who he was and his mission on earth. On another occasion, the Pharisees accused Jesus of healing by Beelzebul. And here we have the account of the blind, mute, and demon, blind, mute, and demon-possessed man who was healed. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against himself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. 
But if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus was reminding them who he really was. He was affirming his deity. So let's just recap some of the things that uh, we've seen from Jesus' healing of the blind men. The people knew that they were in need of healing. In some cases, Jesus healed the individuals privately, away from the crowds, and told the people not to tell. In one case, not to go back into the village. At other times, his miracles were done in a more public setting. The people also realized that Jesus was the son of David, the lineage from which the Messiah would come. I think that they they did recognize him as the Messiah. Jesus noted that their faith has healed them. It has saved them. They are saved by their faith in him and in his power to heal. In the last encounter, Jesus made it clear that he cast out demons by the Spirit of God and that the kingdom of God was upon them. He was confirming that he was God. Those healed, and many others, responded by turning to and following Jesus. Unfortunately, many others were blind to the truth. Sight, or seeing, is a metaphor for understanding. Jesus came as the light of the world to open our eyes so we would see who he is, be healed, and accept the gift of eternal life that he offers us. The reality is, we all need God. We all need to be forgiven of our sin, which is what Jesus accomplished when he died for each of us on the cross at Calvary. Each of us needs to turn to him, acknowledge who he is, what he's done for us, and follow him as people did so many years ago. The end result should be a changed life, a personal relationship in which he is given first place as Savior and as Lord. The parents of the man born blind wouldn't acknowledge who Jesus was. As important as a part of being a part of the synagogue was in those days, and it was really big. They didn't realize that trusting in and acknowledging Jesus was far, far greater, far more important than anything society had to offer them. In Revelation 3, 16-20, we read this regarding the church in Laodicea. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to appoint your eyes, so you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. 
as the songwriter penned, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Just reading Steve's final slide there. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And the people said, Amen. It's uh, been fabulous, Father, to have our eyes open this morning to see the one who came to deliver us and to uh, bring us the light. We thank you for his radiance this morning, that he shines in our lives. We pray that you would help us to uh, reflect that light and bring it to the world around. We pray that our eyes might see you and look to you and that others will be drawn to you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.